0: Welcome to Beauty and the Mess, redefining what it means to have it all and how to find fulfillment in life. And now your host, transformational life coach and creator of the active word line, Beauty and the Mess, Robin Emmerich.
1: Welcome to Beauty and the Mess podcast. Today, we've got Dr. Norm Shealy, neurosurgeon who started the holistic medicine movement. Dr. Shealy, thank you so much for being here. I am so incredibly honored to have you.
0: My great pleasure.
1: (laughs) Uh, Such such a long journey from when I first met you, and and you are still doing incredible things in this world. So for those that don't know you, I would love for you to start with your journey of of really how you became the leader in holistic medicine and, and how you got here.
0: You know, at age four, I suddenly knew and announced to my family I was gonna become a physician. They didn't know why, I didn't, I didn't even know what a physician was. At age 16, as I'm getting ready to graduate from high school two years earlier than everybody else in my class, I decided I want to be a neurosurgeon. So, I get through all the preambles and I get into neurosurgical residency. And during my first rotation on neurosurgery as a resident, I was assisting on a procedure called chordotomy back in the late 1950s into well into the 60s. That was the treatment of choice for chronic pain. You Go into the operating room, you take the spine, the bone off the back of the spine at two levels and then you take a piece of an old single edge razor blade, at least it's been sterilized, and break it off in a little piece of pliers, stick it in and cut the front half of the spinal cord. 80% of the time, it will get rid of pain on the opposite side of the body. 10% of the time, it will paralyze that leg. 10% of the time, it will paralyze your bladder and bowel. 100% of the time, you'll never have another orgasm. And worse than everything, 10% of the time, you have post dysesthesia, which is a new pain worse than anything you've ever had before. And after eight years, it wears off. So when I finished my neurosurgical residency, I spent three years doing research on pain physiology. I was on the faculty at Western Reserve Medical School. And so in all my spare time, I worked on pain physiology. And that's when I came up with my first two inventions, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, or TEMS, still widely used around the world, and spinal cord stimulation, still widely used around the world. Interestingly, when I presented my work to the American Association of Neurological Surgeons on the pain research in animals, they stepped up on the stage and grabbed the microphone and said, you're an idiot, and all, you're talking about this, and you said it's in animals, when I presented my work in six patients, every neurosurgeon in the room wanted to do the procedure. (laughs) I often say surgeons rush in where angels fear tread. Well, all of a sudden I was being sent 400 patients a year from all over the world with a spinal cord stimulator. And I turned down 94% of them. They had been too damaged. They had had five to seven unsuccessful back operations. They were on Percodan, a horrible narcotic, and on Valium, one of the worst tranquilizers ever invented. And so after a couple of years of not knowing what to do with these people, I decided to really change and said, I'm going to find out how to treat people who fail everything. So in 1971, I started what became the first holistic medical clinic in the world. And I started off with behavioral modification. We put patients in the hospital for a full month, weaned them off their drugs, and just did, you know, our TENS unit and all kinds of physical modalities, took them into exercise in the swimming pool. And by the end of my first year, I had treated 400 patients with a remarkable, all of these are long-term failures, with a remarkable 80% success rate. Well, over the next few years, I began to learn about biofeedback. It hadn't really come on the market yet. And autogenic training, self-regulation technique. And by 1974, I was so impressed with that that I went back to get a PhD in psychology because I wanted to understand the brain more than ever. And then over the next few years, I began to think about the word holistic. Jan Smuts was the prime minister of South Africa back in the 20s. He was 28 when he wrote his book um, on holism. And it was the best integration of all aspects of science into the concept of holism. Everything affects everything or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. In my 19, so in 1978 or nine, I started the American Holistic Medical Association, mm-hmm. and basically, the one thing that's missing from conventional medicine is the most important of all: its spirituality. It was kicked out three hundred years ago, and it isn't really in psychology in general either. And Carl Jung did a bit of it, but Freud was the least spiritual person in history. I think <laughs> called Freud the fraud. And I think he created more damage to the field of psychiatry and psychology than it helped. At any rate, so over these years, I have continued to focus on what can we do to help people that doesn't make them worse. That's at the top of the list. It has to be safe first. Now I have worked with 33,000 people and essentially 100% of them have failed conventional medicine. And of course, now, not all of my patients come in because of pain. In fact, hypertension, depression, anxiety, chronic disease of every imaginable kind, of people who fail conventional medicine is what comes to the clinic. In 1972, I also experienced my own first past life recall. And that was the beginning of my work with past life therapy. Since that time I've done hundreds of those with individuals, and I have another out-of-the-box belief. All chronic, significant illness, not you know, not a minor thing, but big illnesses that especially those that don't respond well are due to unfinished business from a previous life. At the time of death, you were angry, guilty, anxious, depressed, etc., and you've never gotten over it. And it comes back in a future life. Interestingly, in my entire career, I've had one Catholic priest as a patient. He came to me to discuss past life therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And I reminded him that until 325, reincarnation was part of Christianity. Constantine did not wish people to think they had a second chance. So at the Council in 325, he mandated they remove any concept from Christianity. Of course, he was such an SOB, worse than Saddam Hussein and ten others like him. He didn't get converted until his deathbed, so he could continue raping, murdering, etc. But he thought he'd be forgiven on his deathbed if he converted at the last moment. Well, I'm not I'm not not impressed with Constantine either. Um, and it isn't, I don't believe in it, I know it. I mean, I've worked, my. I, I know 30 of my own past lives. And I can say three of them, well, I wasn't quite as bad as Constantine, or Saddam Hussein, but I, I'm not proud of three of my past lives. The other 27 is that I know about, I have been a pretty good guy. And so that has influenced me over these last almost 40 years now, because I, I sense it in everything that I do. I mean, for instance, looking way back, even before I knew what reincarnation was about, uh, in 1958, when I moved to Boston for my neurosurgical residency, I knew one person we'd interned together. And so I wrote and said, look, let's share an apartment because I didn't know anybody else. He said, fine, you have a two bedroom apartment. And I moved in and he was dating became my wife and I was jealous and finally I I knew he was Jewish and he'd never marry a shukster so I finally said David you will never marry Shardy and I might would you please stop dating her (laughs) a month later he gave me permission with the caveat that I couldn't date her for one month after he stopped (laughs) and nobody thinks to tell Shardy what's going on But I called her every night for a month. (laughs) And on my (laughs) birthday, December 4th, 1958, we had our first date. And we were engaged on January 10th. And I knew at some level, I knew her at a soul level. And it was, you know, one of the best decisions of this life, of course. But many of my experiences since then have been encountering people from a past life, mostly in a good way. However, in 1995, I was paralyzed by a physician who came down to show me his hot hands. His license had been suspended for, for healing with his hands. He says, show me your hot hands. He put his hands on my neck, jerked my head 180 degrees, and paralyzed me. Oh,
1: now, at the God. time,
0: I thought I must have cut off his head in a previous life. <laughs> I didn't. I actually had him shot 300 years ago. He was trying to take over my kingdom and I disposed of him. So fortunately, of course, I had major neurosurgery and I'm walking because of neurosurgery on my own neck. Wow. But all my other lives have been that, you know, pretty darn good. Uh, I know many details about him. And interestingly, for instance, um, I tried for years to find a physician that could take over my practice. You know, I wanted another holistic and sane physician. I turned down a hundred physicians. They were wimps. Wow. <laughs> And in 2015, I was invited by a long-standing physician friend of mine to come up to Kansas City to a, a workshop he was doing on sound and music in medicine. I walked in, and giving it with him was Sergei Soren. When I walked into the room, I recognized Sergei as being a companion from St. Francis Day. Now go up to this person I've never met before and give me a hug. His wife is sitting there. And she turns to her friend and she says, I think I've just lost my husband. <laughs> and one year later, he, he's the only one of my past life that I know as another physician. He came down and joined me at my clinic. And his wife and I and, and all three of us are good friends now.
1: No.
0: Oh, how wonderful. You know, I, had the, I had a spontaneous image of walking with St. Francis over 30 years ago. In 2005, I was giving a lecture in Canada at a medical meeting. And the reincarnated St. Francis recognized me and came down and we got introduced again. We become now. And he's a neurosurgeon who teaches, he teaches meditation and mysticism.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: He has agreed not only that, you know, I was one of his closest companions, but Sergey was also. And I've met the other two, the four of us, who were his closest companions. So we're now all friends again, 800 years later. Okay, (laughs) meanwhile, back at the ranch, so to speak, I have continued working with this whole concept. And it, it was. I didn't mention what happened also in nineteen seventy-two. I met a man named Henry Rucker. I, I first heard about Edgar Casey, of course. Yes. And I said, I want to meet. I want to meet a psychic who can do that. So I was referred to Henry Rucker in Chicago. On December nineteenth, I flew to Chicago for an hour consultation with Henry. I walked in. He said, "I've been waiting ten years for you. My teacher told me you would come." <laughs> And Henry knew more about me than I did. (laughs) Henry was a wonderful black man from the ghetto of Chicago who was the best one-on-one counselor I've ever met in my life. And we called it psychic diagnosis in those days. But He could walk by. He was 75% accurate and just walked by. and, Oh, he's got so-and-so. He knew exactly what was going on. Well, then, of course, in 1984, I met Carolyn Mace, and we began working together. And in 1988, when we wrote a book called The Creative Health, I said, we can't call it psychic. People will be turned off by that. That's why I created the term, medical intuitions. So to me, a person who really can be accurate is a medical intuitive. They may or may not have other spiritual skills. Some of them are also spiritual healers. War was pretty good as a medical intuitive, one of the great healers in history, but her skill was spiritual healing. I have 15,000 letters that were sent to her by patients from, who, who wrote about their benefits oh. of three minutes at the most with this woman touching them. And uh, so to me, this is the broad field of our, well, Thinking sets in motion spiritual forces to bring about change. in body, mind, emotions, companions, hopes, despair. Every thought is a prayer. And we have to be very careful how we focus our prayers and our thinking. And that's especially important today in the current manic pandemic nonsense that's going on. I'm not saying it's not a problem. I believe it is entirely politically motivated. And yeah. I don't know whether it's the leftists, the rightists, or both fighting against one another, but they're not doing the best for us. However, that takes me to my most important philosophy. I can't change it. It's not possible. I can't change, and listen, you've got some there as well as here. But if it was cloudy, I can't change that. And I can't change what the government's doing. Therefore, I detach. And of course, all of that is a result of my practicing autogenic training twice a day for three months back in 1972. And now, well, I don't waste my time fretting over things I can't change. I'd rather, I'd rather detach. Okay, who cares? <laughs> And yet I've continued to work and feel great at 87 years of age. I still put in a, a full week's work and i still, you know, have new ideas, new creations. And fortunately, I now have Sergey Sorin as a partner medically and the, the, my he's, he's Roughly half my age. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how
1: long has he been with you?
0: Oh, since uh, since, uh, 2016. 2016. Okay. Four years. Four full years next month.
1: Okay. Okay. That's amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, you know, obviously we're different people. I don't mean to say he's he's not a clone of me. he's But he's got intellectual strength (laughs) and interest and broad base. And so it is a, a wonderful, uh, well, return of two people who've known one another in the past. Um, I love that. It, oh, well, it's true. I mean, the same was true of my wife. I know about at least three of our previous wives together. And families often, for instance, I have a grandson that my wife and I both knew when he was eighteen months old is the reincarnation of her father. He's he's, not believe it. He's just turned twenty two and never told him this. But um, someday I will tell him.
1: (laughs) Now do you now do you believe that a person has to believe in reincarnation in order to receive the benefits of past life regression?
0: They have to be open to the possibility. I don't think they have to be a firm believer. But if they're, oh my God, that if they're what I call right. a flaming if, That would be a
1: block, right. Yeah.
0: If you, if they're flaming fundamentals, you're wasting your time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They have to, you know, except, well, maybe. And that's good enough for me. As long as they mm-hmm.
1: Curiosity, in a sense, openness.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, I about, agree. About one person in a hundred, even when they're open, can't do it. I mean, why is that? It's some kind of mental block, I suppose. I mean, I'll spend a whole hour sometime with them and finally say, Well, you're not ready. But yeah, one in a hundred.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, it is still my favorite psychological tool. But meanwhile, I also consider myself an electrical junkie.
1: Yes, yes. So tell me about the pulse electromagnetic frequency.
0: Well, eight years ago, I began doing research on this thing called pulse electromagnetic frequency to treat diabetic neuropathy pain. People who have what's called diabetic neuropathy lose the sensation in their feet primarily, but it begins to be painful. They have numb feet, but painful feet. And so I began working on one of the commercially available PIMF devices back then. And then one day, about three and a half years ago, I was like, oh, hmm. 30 years ago, I get these downloads, they just come like that. I had a download that the chakras would respond to earth frequency." So the first chakra will be the same as the earth itself, 7.83. Each additional chakra will be another 7.83. So the seventh chakra will be seven times 7.83. But my guide said, well, Norman, that is true, but we're not clones. So we vary plus or minus two. So it's 5.83 to 9.83 for the first chakra. And then, so it goes from 5.83 at the lowest possible frequency to 56.81 at the top. And I found a, an engineer who was able to make me a PEMPT device that puts out these frequencies. Wow. And it is so much better than every other conventional one we tried. We, was about, well, at least two and a half years ago now, I suddenly thought, hmm, I bet this puts the brain into gamma. Gamma frequency is the in the zone, it's the creative oh. <laughs> state of mind. And so we tested it. And even if you put this on your belly, the brain goes into gamma. Obviously, it's wow. stronger gamma if you put it on the brain. So then we did a research project on 10 long standing opioid addicts who since they became addicted have never been free all 10 of them got totally free of their addiction cravings they're now wow. well over two years and uh at least nine of them have returned to work and uh, you know they, their problems are wiped off the books because they've fulfilled all their obligations isn't there I don't know anything that comes close to that, but this device also sets the frequency on your cells. Every cell in your body has a minus 70 millivolt charge on it. If it's at peace, if it gets at minus 60, it's hyper. If it gets at minus 90, it doesn't work at all. And what this particular device does is reset A 70 millivolt charge so i have for instance you put it on the chest i had a woman whose oxygen saturation her finger was 75 percent within 30 minutes it was 96 percent i had i've had people with blood pressure of 200 over 110 again within 30 minutes bringing it down to normal So it resets the normal physiology of the body as well as the brain. So it's obviously my favorite gadget at the moment. But I still work with others. Have you ever heard of scalar energy?
1: I have, yes. What are you doing with scalar energy?
0: Well, scalar energy really to me is the physical manifestation of God. According to physicists, all empty space in the universe is filled with scalar energy in an empty space the size of a helium molecule there's enough energy to boil the ocean if you focus it wow so several years ago my engineer friend created a scalar device for me and i had so we began measuring a chemical that is rarely looked at, unfortunately, in conventional medicine called adrenomedulin. Adrenomedulin is the biochemical reaction to stress. In a healthy person, it is two to 10. I brought in 28 adults, and the average was over 150, the adrenomedulin level. We had them sit just nine hours a week because it had to come into the office, nine hours a week for four weeks. So roughly an hour a week, the adrenal meddling came down over 50%. Wow. So then we had them come back and we took two drops of blood and we looked at the blood under a dark field microscope. Now, when you look at the blood under a dark field microscope, you see all kinds of things you can't see any other way. There are 18 different inflammatory markers you can see under the microscope. The drop of blood. The second drop of blood was just put in front of the scalar device for an hour, and the the inflammatory mark, the inflammatory markers went down eighty percent. That time we also, when they went into the room, we had them. We measured the uh, the, the, the 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 um. Malone diodide, that's the breakdown of your fat cell, the walls of your molecule, or your cells that have been killed by free radicals. That went down in three hours, 40%. Wow. So we now know that just having this within 25 feet of you in the room reduces inflammation markedly. That's a, another great benefit of, of, you know, electrotherapy. This is just a diff, another one of my electrical gadgets. But of course, everything ultimately boils down to you and your individual beliefs and attitudes. And so, the, the great scheme this week is to emphasize the fact that, for instance, that Blacks have this much higher death rate from the COVID-19 virus. It's not because they're Black. It's because they have a higher incidence of obesity, hypertension, and diabetes. And so that's true whatever the color of your skin is. Mm We now know unequivocally that if you do not have certain basic habits, you're a sitting duck for everything that goes wrong. There are five habits that are critical for health. At the top of the list is a body weight that is normal. That is a body mass index of 18 to 24. By the time you get to a body mass index of 30, it's only 40 pounds overweight for most people. Your risk is the same as someone who smokes three packs of cigarettes a day. Wow. Of dying of heart disease or stroke. Yeah. 40 pounds or more overweight. Now, it, it, smoking, even though smoking is down, 22% of adults still smoke. By the time you smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, you're going to die an average of 18 years early. In fact, the average American dies 22 years prematurely. That's average American. Average age is 78. And that's because we don't have the five health habits. The third one is eating a minimum, minimum of five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. The average American gets 2.2. And I point out that Ketchup and French fries are not vegetables.
1: <laughs> I mean, sweet potato I, fries.
0: The exactly. <laughs> well, sweet potatoes are, are much better than regular potatoes. <laughs> um, my day starts with the equivalent of twenty servings of fruits and vegetables in a slush. In a smoothie. Yeah, yeah. That's how I start my day. Um, It's just the way I prefer to live. Now, the the next habit that is missing is physical activity. Sitting all day is as risky as smoking a a couple of packs of cigarettes a day. Wow. Only 10% of Americans get the minimum exercise health. That is 30 minutes, five days a week. Only 10% get that much. I get two hours every morning. <laughs> I start my day sweating, <laughs> and um, I mean only only about forty or forty five minutes of that I, I am mean, doing that kind of exercise, but I do two hours of something. Just I like it. It <laughs> keeps me healthy. <laughs> oh well, and then sleep. People who sleep six hours or less on average function at the level of someone who's slightly drunk. There are more automobile accidents from people who didn't get enough sleep than there are from alcohol. Wow. So you need to sleep seven or eight hours every night. I mean, I, unless it is a, you know, a, a medical emergency, I'm not gonna miss my sleep for anybody. Yeah. Uh, those are the critical ones. Now, in addition to that, this is not so easily measurable, but there is what I would call your, your basic faith and in, in belief system. And I have never in this life that I know of had a, a doubt about well, the spiritual life. At age, another of my things at age four I crawled up on a lard can in my grandmother's kitchen to watch my uncle making a snowman outside. "Might be careful, you get hurt. I said, Grandma, don't worry. If you're gonna die, you're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> to, to which she responded, well, that's true son, but you could certainly shorten your life. <laughs> but I have always known, I, I mean, I grew up with a family of all kinds of great aunts and uncles and you know, uh, And so old age never bothered me either. But I did get interested about 2005 in telomeres. Telomeres, of course, are the tips of your DNA. Mm -hmm. And they're sometimes described as like the eraser on your pencil. They wear out, so to speak. On average, if you have good health habits, your telomeres shrink 1% every year of your life. So we're genetically predestined to live 100 years. Well, so in 2006, I began working on ways to regenerate your telomeres. I've already proven three different techniques that will regrow, regenerate your telomeres 3.5% a year. Um, So over 10 years, you get 35 years younger. I'm now in just halfway through, a current research project, our preliminary of only 10 patients, the telomeres grew 8% in six months. So I consider that the most, yeah. So in, you know, by September, we will be done uh, with, well, let's see, actually August, August we'll be done. At any rate, If it holds up in sixty people, which is what we're doing now, and double-blind and all that kind of stuff, if it holds up at eight percent growth, I mean that is absolutely astounding. And it's simple. All my techniques are simple. I mean, one of them does require an hour a day, but you can do it while sleeping. You don't have to do anything except that.
1: Which one is that?
0: The rejuven matrix.
1: Okay, that the glasses.
0: no, that, that's the relax mate. Okay. Reju- matrix is a mattress. Okay. In the center of the mattress is pure old copper screen, on which is one pound of crushed sapphire crystal. Sapphire enhances electromagnetic energy even better than quartz. And that is hooked to a Tesla coil. And that mattress, then, when you turn on the Tesla coil, puts out 52 to 78 billion cycles a second at a billionth of a watt per centimeter square that is our natural absorption of giga frequencies these gigabillion cycles per second one hour of exposure to that a day you turn it on on a time when you go to bed regrows your telomeres three and a half percent pretty simple um, we can also stimulate specific acupuncture points with essential oils, and that'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the current project is actually using patches about that big that go on specific acupuncture points. <clears throat> One patch a day, <laughs> change the points.
1: Wow.
0: And um, so I just entered my 60th patient yesterday in that study. And um, well, we're going to know by fall if it works, because that'll be available, of course, on the market after we finish the study as well. And that's not my invention. Uh, I'm doing that for another company that I know that's very, very safe. I mean, just a little patch over an acupuncture point stimulates it as well as the needle does. Wow. So that's just part of the broad field that I call holistic medicine.
1: It is quite a broad field, and for you to narrow it down to five keys, I know I need to step up my fruit and vegetables, <laughs> <laughs> yet, you know, I, I so appreciate your simplicity and really creating lifestyles that are, I don't want to say simple, but that feel like I can do this, Right.
0: Well, that I mean, all you got to do is make that decision for most people. But I mean, remember, here's just one out of the box thought. You know, for the last seventy years, physicians have been pushing cholesterol as an evil entity, so to speak. We'd we'll be dead without cholesterol. Our brain has more cholesterol than anything in the world. It is the foundation. The wonderful book came out several months ago that suggests it may not be the cholesterol at all. It may be that we eat too much calcium. Americans consume an average of a thousand milligrams a day of calcium. Every other country in the world, which has a lower death rate from heart disease, they, they eat 200, 250 milligrams, a fourth to a fifth as much calcium as we do. But maybe the calcium that is causing the cholesterol to be deposited in the arteries. And statin drugs, well, they're one of my top enemies. I think they are the craziest thing ever invented because they will eventually kill your brain. They start by killing your muscles and every organ in your body and eventually brain rot from statin drugs. One of my favorite things is you try to put one in my mouth, I'll bite your hand off
1: so can you tell me about the new book that you're actually writing right now I, I know yes. you've got so many books but I know that you also continue to Well
0: write I, yes last summer I suddenly had this idea who killed Conan? sense <laughs> <laughs> I mean my father used to say Common sense is the most uncommon commodity. That was eighty years ago. My father was saying, (laughs) and in June of last year, yeah. So in June of last year, something happened. I thought, who killed common sense? So that's how I started to write the book. And of course, I asked my partner, Dr. Soren, and also um, I invited the only Chair of Conscientious Psychology in the world to join us, I created the Mary Charlotte Bailey Sheely Chair of Conscientious Psychology at Missouri State University Mm. about four years ago. And Amber is a wonderful psychologist. So Amber is contributing her work on conscientiousness because conscientiousness is organized and responsible. And then, I have a wonderful poet friend. Every day, practically, she just embellishes my day with her latest poem, uh, Georgianne Gender. And so her poetry is scattered throughout the book as well because she really tells the story in such a beautiful way. So we just got it all organized today and I'm just waiting for permission from the other three to send it off to the publisher. So hopefully it might be up by late this fall.
1: Late fall? And and where can people find that?
0: Well, they'll be able to find it, of course, on my website. And I do wanna mention that because there are certain things that I do offer people for free. My two favorite things are autogenic training, retraining the brain to be able to detach from things you can't change, or my book, 90 Days to Self-Health, which really outlines the foundations for the whole mental transformation. If you go to my website, normsheely.com, you can order the book or autogenic focus is the way it's put there. But it's an MP3, 18 okay. minutes. And if you if you do that twice a day for three months, it retrains your brain. It is the single greatest. It's twenty-seven
1: thousand scientific references on how good it is. Wow. Wow. So that would—that's really important for people to truly start right now with—with with all of the anxiety and overwhelm that the pandemic exactly. is bringing up for people. Yeah, I know exactly. that. I know it's you know I know it's bringing up a lot of trauma for people. Um,
0: Well, it is a lot of trauma. I mean. Right. I mean, I remember World War II extremely well. I was nine years and three days old when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And so, you know, I lived through it. It was nothing like this. It was an energized time where we got together and, you know, won the war. And, um, so I, I think that's what we should do now. Let's get together, spiritually together, and move to detach from those things we can't change and move on.
1: Yeah, beautifully said. I agree. Thank you. Any any other thoughts that you have to
0: share? Yes. One of my favorites. Back in the 70s, you probably don't remember Mad Magazine, but there was a little character a guy who was always on the cover of man magazine
1: i do remember it
0: oh great there was a poster that that had his picture on it and it said i'm okay because god does not create junk (laughs) and so i often say to my patients remember look in the mirror and say i'm okay because god does not create junk
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, i love that and so true so so true Thank you so, so much. I think that if more people can understand this, they can open up to a, a, a vocation, in a sense, that can help the world as well. Exactly.
0: Well, my number one statement over and over again is there's only one purpose in life, to help other people. And whatever you do that helps other people. The person who made this ballpoint pen to me is just as important as I am. I'd be bored out of my gore trying to do that. <laughs> and and then I couldn't do what I do. Uh,
1: yeah, you can write all your books without that pen.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well fortunately I can now type on a computer too. <laughs> Many of my books were handwritten with that.
1: I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. I can kinda I I don't know, I just can I can see it. Um wow. Well, I have just so enjoyed our time together and I don't even I want it to like last forever um I thank you so much for for not only being here today but for all that you're doing in the world for for everybody
0: thank you good blessings on your own work thank you Thanks for joining us on Beauty and the Mess. Feel free to visit Robin on Instagram at Robin underscore Emmerich. Keep on living your beautiful life and embrace the mess.